morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We've got Gonzo, the crypto Goliath, Billy, the chart analysis expert, and our close friend of the 3T family, Mr. Jordan Harry, is joining us, so I'm very excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how Hedera Hashgraph is taking the world by storm. After announcing an NFT collaboration with LG Electronics, we show our listeners another use case coming to the Hedera ecosystem. Ripple Advisor teases the public, stating more CBDC announcements are coming in the next several weeks. As a new payment corridor is open from Canada to Mexico, utilizing XRP for cross-border payments. Quant CEO Gilbert Vernand is under the microscope, highlighting how he created one of the best financial resumes on the planet, as Polygon has just completed an accelerator program, bringing additional use cases to their blockchain. The IMF is stating that the crypto market has become too big to ignore, now calling for global regulation, as billionaire investor and friend of the show Mark Yusko explains the cycle of global crypto adoption, telling investors that patience is the key to surviving the bear market. Our show was available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, I got to be honest, it's a little bit weird not going Mr. Johnny Crypto in the morning. So shout out to Johnny. But Gonzo, thank you for making time for us, my friend. How are you feeling this morning? Uh, I'm feeling outstanding, man. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, you know, I, Billy, what's up? We're twinsies today. Got to love that, right? Yeah. And then I just love being on the show with Jordan. I was talking to him uh, about this earlier because he's just a reminder for me that anything is possible, that you can manifest things. If you work hard and you activate um, and, and you push yourself that anything is possible. So he's always that reminder for me. So I just love being on the show with him. So, yeah. So exciting, Gonzo. We call him King Harry for a reason, but we call Billy the shock jock of our group. When Johnny Crypto's not in the building, Billy is the guy to bring in for the shock factor. How you feeling, Billy? And thanks for making time for us today. What's up, fam? It's always good to be here and see you guys. It's it's there was an honor to be here with Mr. Jordan Harry. It was it was cool to chop it up with him back at the conference on the bus. Gave me some life advice that I still use today. Uh, and I will still walk into a hotel room and anywhere else or a lobby and lay down on the floor and not give a damn who is watching. So I appreciate you, fam, for uh, giving me giving me one less f to give about in life. So yeah, that, that hey, was nice. and that's we're a, a crypt. We're a crypto news channel, but we do life lessons too, Billy. So I appreciate you. Jordan Harry, thank you for making time for us this morning. I'm not sure what's on your mind. So tell us what's on your mind, my friend. How are you feeling? I'm feeling wonderful. I'm a full-time dog dad now. So looking after our Doberman, getting him trained up to be a protection dog. But I am so happy that Hedera is getting the attention it deserves this week. But I won't say any more. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jordan. And we're going to dive into this thing the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account at 3TGM Crypto. You get access to every single member of our team, but we're going to get right into the Bitcoin fear and greed index because we've been ranging between 22 and 23. Nothing's changed this morning. We are at a 24 sitting in extreme fear. But when we look at the total coin market cap, we are back below $1 trillion. The total coin market cap is $949 billion. Bitcoin's dominance is 38%. Ethereum is 20%. We've got Bitcoin sitting below 19000 at $18,900 this morning. Ethereum is 1500 XRP is $0.32. Cents. Cardano is $0.46. Cents. Polygon is $0.81. Cents. We've got Chainlink at $6.80. 
Algorand is 29. VeChain is two. Hedera is below six cents this morning and Quant is $92. I'm going right back to Jordan Harry. Jordan, what's on your mind this morning and how are you dealing with this bear market? When we interviewed Mark Yusko and we're going to show a clip later in the episode, he talked about how he didn't believe we were going to dip below 17.5. Do you share that sentiment? You know, I am naive when it comes to Bitcoin's price movements, but for good reason, because one, I know there's only so much we can control when it comes to price movements. And two, I am a utility maxi. So when we talk about that, I am stubborn in believing that my favorite projects like HBAR and XRP, they will move irrelevant to what Bitcoin's doing once a utility kicks in. So in the short term, of course, it means can't execute some exciting trades, but in the long term, and that's what I am, next three years, nothing changes. Billy, we call you the chart analysis expert. And right now we are showing our listeners a chart of Bitcoin showing that we finished a perfect regression back to this trend line. What are some of the things you're looking at in the Bitcoin price chart? And I know the S&P is looking pretty bearish. Do you think that's going to have an impact on this market? I absolutely do. One's going to affect the other. Um, and I, I'm I'm in the same mind frame as Jordan. I'm, I'm waiting for it to decouple from everything because the projects that I'm invested in, I'm invested for the utility and for the long term. So you guys know how I feel about Bitcoin. I just love me some Bitcoin. So do I think this thing is going to drop? God, I hope so. I mean, let it bleed, bro. I want this thing to just be killed in the streets because if it hits 17K, me, myself, H2H will go in and I will buy some some Bitcoin. If it hits 10,000, I'll put it on my mom. I'm going to get some Bitcoin because I'm not dumb and naive to things like Bitcoin is what it is. I don't like it. I don't understand it. It's not in my thing. But if it hits 10K, I'd be a dummy not to get it. You're spot on, Billy. And one of the things I'm going to be watching is if we can hold that 17.5, because I think if we dip below, we're going all the way to 13,000, but I'm kicking it right to Gonzo. Gonzo, what are some of the things that you're watching this morning? And we know the Ethereum merge is coming in September. What impact do you think that's going to have on the market? You know, I I, I don't think that the Ethereum merge, uh, while it's going to affect the a price of Ethereum, it just doesn't have enough juice to carry the market kind of like Bitcoin does, right? That's why I pay attention to Bitcoin. It's not because I'm a Bitcoin maxi, but because it moves the market. And like everybody else, I want to invest in those utility altcoins. And I know that the prices will dip, right? We're in a bear market. So I've been dollar cost averaging every two weeks. But as far as Bitcoin, you know, 19.5 was the level I was uh, looking at. I talked about it before. We lost that. We went right to 18.8, which was the other level. So right before 17.5, we're looking at 17.9. So we went to 18.8. If we go to 17.9 and we lose that, then here comes 17.5. And I think more of a lower low. Uh, and, the, and then like, like Billy says, if we get down to those levels, like, you know, he keeps saying 10 to 14. Now, remember, I'm a believer that the market always does what you don't expect, right? Everybody keeps saying 10 to 14. So that's why the dollar cost average thing always works out. If you're going to write it all the way down, because what if it stops at 14.5, right? 14.2. And then that's the bottom we go back up. Or it completely shocks everybody because of macro events, the Fed, what's going on with Russia, turning off the gas for Europe and all these other macro things that affect the market. And this thing goes below 10. Everybody loses their mind, right? And there's there's a huge sell-off. But like we say, Bitcoin under $10,000, are you kidding me? I would have never thought that was possible, but you got to keep in mind anything's possible, but definitely anything below 10,000, you know, I'm going to be buying some Bitcoin and I'm going to be buying some of our favorite alts, right? 
Awesome. And for any of our listeners who are just joining us now, you're probably tuning in for that central bank digital currency news. Of course, we are going to get to that. But before we do, we got 131 live listeners joining us right now. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. You could be anywhere in the world and you are in the GMC channel. And we are showing you some breaking news just in as Binance has added Ethereum staking. Gonzo, I'm going to stick with you for some quick comments. Do you think this could have an impact? Um. You know, it's just more of coming up to the triple halving. So if you guys didn't know, so yesterday morning, the Bellatrex um, upgrade was released. That started the move to proof of stake, right? So next week is the Paris uh, upgrade. So basically the way it goes is because of the hash rate, they're able to predict when we'll officially finally transition everything to proof of stake. And the way that Blockworks came out and said that, I think it's, so uh, I think the Ethereum group has been saying that it's somewhere between September 13th and 15th, but Blockworks came out and said, looking at the hash rate, it's going to be September 14th at 9 p.m. That's when we'll completely transition to proof of stake and the first blocks of proof of stake will start coming out. So you're just going to see this more and more uh, as we get closer to the merge. The other day, there was like 100K, uh, 100, I'm sorry, 100,000 Ethereum that were staked, right? And so we're going to see this more and more where... Um, you're going to have more people that are going to start staking Ethereum um, to get those rewards. So, yeah, we're going to see that more. Jordan, I want to read this quick tweet for our listeners, and then I'm coming right to you. Vitalik Buterin tweeted out that the merge is still expected to happen around the September 13th through the 15th, just like Gonzo said. What's happening today is the Bellatrix hard fork, which prepares the chain for the merge. It's still important, though, so make sure to update your clients. We're just keeping you guys updated on all the latest and most relevant topics when it comes to Ethereum. And I think the Ethereum merge is going to be one of these typical events where it's buy the rumor, sell the news. There's not going to be a massive scaling solution here where gas fees are not going to be reduced. So I'm not sure about the huge implementations that this is going to provide, but I want to kick it to Jordan, get some of your thoughts. What do you think about the Ethereum merge, Jordan? It's interesting because I'm outside of the Ethereum um, community. So I don't know how optimistic they're feeling. So I'm actually going to say, is anyone up here well-versed with the ETH community and how they feel about the sentiment about this merge? Yes, that would be Gonzo. Gonzo is our Ethereum expert. So Gonzo, I'm kicking it to you, man. Yeah, you, you know, um, I, I just, I think that the, so to me, it's a long-term thing, just like the utility and with Ethereum, those things that we talk about, the triple having where, where you get all the Ethereum that's being staked right now, it's locked up for 12 to 16 months, right? And even then when the next upgrade comes out and you can unstake your Ethereum, it's going to be on a schedule, right? With the EIP 1540, 1559, the burning mechanism, there are times in the future, right? Not today, where Ethereum is going to be deflationary. So what that means is when we were at proof of work, there was 4.5 million Ethereum made a day, right? And so as it moves to proof of stake, that gets cut down, that issuance rate. I think it's either 400 or 600,000 that are made. But basically the issuance rate went from 4.2% to like 03 or 0.4%, something like that. It's like 90 something percent. So when you add that in the future, what will happen is there'll be days, depending on how busy Ethereum is, where they will burn more Ethereum than is made in that day, which makes it deflationary, right? Um, on top of that, it makes it more energy efficient. They're calling it a triple halving. So all that stuff, I think, is for the future, right? Is for the next bull run. For the right now, I don't even think we can get to 2000, right? I've always said that. That's where I was looking at. That's where my first sell order was at. I was hoping maybe we'd get to 21, 2200. 
But right now there's so much macro stuff going on and we are in a bear market. I mean, there's other things that are going on, right? You have the Vassal Hardcore coming up with Cardano. You have Ethereum. You have all these things that are going on, but they're not moving the market because in the end we're in a bear market. Billy, one of the things that we've always talked about as an XRP holder is there's going to be this decoupling event. And the catalyst for that decoupling event could be the tweet we're showing our listeners now as ISO protocols are set to go live this November, and they're going to be fully implemented by March 10th, 2025. When do you think we'll see some of the impacts of our financial system going digital? And how bullish are you on this news? Because we know many of our favorite blockchains are ISO compliant. Um, and that, that's the majority of my portfolio is ISO, you know, 2022. Um, I have every one of those except Algorand and uh, Algorand and IOTA, but I have I'm pretty heavy on the rest of them, which I need to get some. Uh, we're we're in the same place, man. It's just, it's one of those things. I had to quit watching it every day because we need certain things to happen. We need regulations to to happen so institutionalized money can come in and and we can actually get some utility behind it. We can't get utility until regulations are set in place here. Here, you know, across the rest of the world, you see what Ripple's doing. I mean, they're setting up partnerships, Canada, Mexico, Japan, um, everywhere is being set up. It's right here that is the bottleneck uh, of where we're at. So I'm, I'm very bullish on, on XRP and, and ISO coins altogether. But as you know, we say all the time, we got to get our shit together, get our get out of our own way, get these regulations put out there. So the financial money can come in and with clarity and say, all right, this is how we're going to do that way. They're not on the cover of Coinbase saying, Hey, we've been working with you for the last two weeks. And all of a sudden you sue us. Um, that's all we're waiting for. A hundred percent. And I know Jordan had some thoughts, Jordan, we're sharing a list of the ISO compliant tokens. And I know for our group and our team, we are so bullish on the utility tokens. We even go as far as to call ourselves like a utility channel. Cause most of the projects we cover are these utility tokens, but what are you anticipating from ISO and, any of these blockchains stick out to you in particular? Uh, mute button. Mute button, Jordan. Man, it I'm happens to the best of us. I know it does. And the lip reading of the audience, it's not as sharp as it used to be. I understand. So there's a great account called Matt Hamilton. He's an ex-Ripple employee. 100%. If you hold XRP, please follow Matt Hamilton. He isn't scared to go after anyone throwing FUD at the XRP community. But not only that, he's an educator. And what he educated me on recently, and I think this could be news for the majority of the audience, is XRP can't be compliant, right? A token can't be compliant. That's the difference. I see Billy looking at, hmm, what are you on about? So as you said, it's the blockchains that can be compliant with this messaging service. A token can't. So what is sometimes, and sadly, the narrative has been misconstrued in these news articles, is it's RippleNet. RippleNet, the product is... Um, ISO compliant, and that uses the XRP token. So it's the same. Algorand is a blockchain, not Algo the token. Hedera, again, that's they don't call themselves a blockchain. They call themselves a distributed ledger technology, not HBAR, and so on and so forth. So that lists where the majority of people are holding ISO coins. You're not. You're holding coins that are on the ISO compliant messaging services, which are blockchains or DLTs. So um, there we go. Perfect. Yeah, Bo XRP. He knows I'm not crazy with what I'm saying. And again, this doesn't come from my own head. This comes from Matt Hamilton, who is an ex-Ripple employee. 
Very cool, Jordan. One of the things that he actually said a couple months ago is Matt Hamilton predicts that XRP will be $100 at some point. Of course, that is the breaking news of today. No, I'm I'm only kidding, Jordan, but (laughs) it is pretty cool. And I'm really bullish on a lot of those ISO compliant tokens. We're actually going to cover a story in just a couple of articles from now talking about how Ripple has opened up a new payment corridor from Canada to Mexico, which could facilitate over $150 million in transactions. But before we get to that, we got 181 live listeners out there. Shovel some love, smash that like button. If you're looking for our special guest, Jordan Harry, that is at Jordan Harry with two N's and two Y's on Twitter. But we have so much news to dive into today. Let's get into some Hedera Hashgraph news. As Hedera Hashgraph is continuing to change the game, not only for NFTs, but for blockchains as a whole. So mid-cap Ethereum rival is selected by electronics giant LG for an NFT partnership. South Korean-based LG Electronics has chosen an enter- enterprise blockchain Hedera to power its non-fungible token platform for smart TVs. LG Art Labs now allows users to buy, sell, and trade NFTs on their smart TV platforms running on Web OS 5 or later. Vice President spoke about why the electronics giant chose to team up with Hedera, and it was primarily because it is so energy efficient and it blows other blockchains out of the water. We always talk about their governing council here, but when we talk about more use cases coming, Jordan, I'd love to give you the floor with the NFTs before we dive into some airplane news focused on Boeing building on Hedera. So what I want to say about Hedera and why I hold HBAR, I want to take everyone's minds back to credit cards. And when the credit card payment solution came into play years ago, before my time, and why people were laughing at people who invested in the technology for credit card payments, because you're only getting a fraction of a penny for every credit card transaction. Now, at the beginning, yeah, those investors were getting fractions of a penny per transaction. But now we fast forward to today and you look at the network effect and you think how many credit card transactions take place every single day. The fraction of a penny now is no longer laughable. And those people who invested in the credit card technology, who are still alive today, and you can follow their journey, they're multimillionaires, if not billionaires. I see Hedera as the same type of solution because I'll break it down really quickly for everyone, the tokenomics. Holding HBAR, how is it going to appreciate in price with this utility? Well, the governing council members, as you can see here, they're not all forced to build on Hedera. They all run governing nodes and it's optional. LG has chosen to create an application, an NFT marketplace. So now how does HBAR's token price change? Well, every time an API call is made, so every time a buy or sell order is done on their marketplace, it doesn't use HBAR. And that's where everyone's like, oh, I know, it's annoying. They'll still use their dollars and they'll still use their pounds. But every time a transaction's done on an application, LG in the background have to have HBAR in reserves to perform that API call. Now, it costs a fraction of a HBAR to do that. And it's a fixed amount to the dollar. So it's a fraction of a dollar. So it never matters what the price of HBAR is. It's fixed to the dollar amount. So what we all need to be excited about is the more people that use these applications that are built on Hedera, every time an API call is done, HBAR is required to execute that. Just like Ethereum, when you're using the smart contract. So people will laugh and say, oh, HBAR is so cheap, da 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 um, Even to use and build on Hedera, it's so cheap. Yes, but when you look at the scale, 20% of TVs in this world right now are built by LG. And that's just their TVs by LG. And now all the US TVs are able to buy NFTs using Hedera 
every time a transaction is done, fraction of a HVAR is used by LG. This is only the beginning. Unbelievable. Thank you for painting that picture because honestly, you brought some breaking and some much more clarity to the project. One of the things that I was focusing on when I was reading this article, Jordan, is the fact that they already have a wallet capable for smartphones. And now you're going to take this smartphone wallet and connect it right to your TV. Not only are we seeing the cell phone and the TV become interoperable, it's happening through Hedera, but I want to kick it to Gonzo and Billy. Billy, let's start off with you. What are some of the things that you're looking for in Hedera? We look at the governing council and they've got some of the largest names in the space. Actually, Billy, one second. I want to cover this for our listeners. So Kevin O'Leary recently said that Boeing could be involved in a new use case for Hedera, and this is what caught my attention. So venture capitalist and Shark Tank star Kevin O'Leary said that Hedera has a great team and good engineers. What's the economic premise that would keep this project growing? Well, Boeing wants a quasi-centralized slash decentralized platform. They want the best of both worlds, and HBAR can deliver on that. Another example of HBAR providing real use case, Billy. What does it mean to you, my friend? Uh, It goes back to even if you don't understand the fundamentals of the crypto of what's going on, even if you don't understand, you know, ISO coins, understand relationships. And if you look who HBAR is partnered with, like we said last time, they don't fail, bro. They're not failures in their their space. These are our top level people. So you have to not only look at the technology, the people behind the team, but Like we say all the time, who is partnering with who? Because that's how things get done in life is built by relationships. Um, You may have something bigger, better and faster, but if you don't have the right relationships in place, you're not going to be able to scale what it is that you're trying to do. So with this, especially with Boeing going in, LG, IBM, Google, come on, bro. Those those are major players. They're not going anywhere. So it's like Hedera has been knighted. You know, you are the one and that's what we've been waiting for. Who is partnering with who? So I'm so bullish on Hedera and have been for a long time. I absolutely love HBAR and I will continue packing. Are you serious? Five and six cents for this technology? That's absurd, bro. Like that's, I might as well, I might as well go to jail for stealing. <laughs> Gonzo, I know yeah. you got some thoughts I there. Give you some in, I can give you some insider info real quick, Billy. Holla I spoke to some employees and they told me that HBAR is designed to be a high price. Oh, I did not know. <laughs> because they can't allow one third of any individual to hold all of the circulation because if you hold one third, you can control the network. So HBAR is designed to be a high price token. Great info. On that note, Gonzo, if you're listening to this podcast right now, there's 196 of you out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. The Crypto Goliath is about to share his thoughts on HBAR. And Gonzo, one of the things I wanted to show our listeners really quickly is the main reason they chose HBAR was there's no gas fees, right? And we know that gas fees are leaving this market eventually. So maybe you can speak a little bit to that. Yeah, you know, it's it's that whole narrative that we talk about ESG, environmental social governance, that's going to become a big deal, right? There, there's a reason why the Ethereum proof of stake and that whole narrative of being, you know, 95% more energy efficient, but they chose Hedera because it's so energy efficient, right? I mean, their governance council, you guys have already said it, they're leaders of industry. They're the most decentralized governance council. And, you know, what makes me bullish about HBAR is they're going to start leveraging these relationships. Like Jordan said, like these companies don't have to use Hedera, but like we've been talking about, it's all about relationships. And if Hedera is cheaper and it's more energy efficient and it falls into that narrative of the carbon footprint thing, then why not? Right. That's what we're betting on. But, you know, Hedera always has a special place in my heart because the very first profits I ever made was with HBAR. Right. 
Um, I had put a sell order like using Gematria from Jordan and I, I made some profits and I put it to the side and kind of rolled it back in. So I've been DCing into Hedera for a while and I'll be, I'll keep DCing into Hedera. Like it's Hedera and XRP, uh, I think are my biggest two bags that I have, but yeah, just super bullish. One more thing, Gonzo, we are showing our listeners a tweet from Google Cloud and you brought up something so important. They're on the governing council, but they don't have to support this stuff. Google is going out of their way to not only promote HBAR, but build on it and create additional use cases. But we have so many listeners here and I'm sure they're here for the XRP news. Let's get this thing started for what everybody joined us for. We've got some groundbreaking news with Ripple XRP. Not only are they going to be building central bank digital currencies in the future, we've got breaking news with on-demand liquidity as Ripple's on-demand liquidity partner will facilitate cross-border remittances from Canada to Mexico in this brand new deal. Ripple's ODL solution has been tapped for cross-border payments from Canada to Mexico, and right now, 21% of Canada's population are immigrants. This new exchange will facilitate up to $146 million in transactions from Mexico to Canada in 2022. So it's not a massive it's not a massive market cap here, but we're seeing additional use cases continue to be added. I'd love to start with Jordan. Jordan, I know it's a small remittance corridor, but the fact that Ripple, regardless of being sued by the SEC, is expanding around the world. What does that mean to you, Jordan? It means a lot because, again, um, speaking to some of the people building um, ODL for Ripple, um, I asked them the question, which is, hey, everyone asks us, like, how is XRP's price going to move with utility? And they're putting all their efforts towards ODL. Right? Over the past decade, they have reiterated their model. You know, in the past, I think they had upwards of three to five different products, and now it's just RippleNet. And what they understand is, the amount of value that XRP has to transact will change its price. So right now, I believe that it's doing in the millions to billions from time to time. But when we get to the trillions, that's when we can see the higher prices of XRP come to fruition. So the more sticky the on-demand liquidity can become, the more our hopes for a high price XRP token, or shall we say the floor price of the XRP token rises. Billy, I can only imagine what the price would be if U.S. citizens started to use XRP for remittance payments. Maybe you can speak a little bit to that, but what does it mean to you that regardless of what's going on with the SEC, they've expanded into the Middle East, they've expanded into Japan, and now we're watching them expand into Latin America and into Canada at the same time. What does that mean to you, Billy? What did Rosario say? The train has left the building, man. Either you're going to get on board and get you a ticket, you're going to be ran over when this thing happens, but it's coming regardless. Uh, there's nothing you're going to do to stop it. And it's funny, we're talking about payments coming from Canada to Mexico. Um, back when I used to travel to the United States for Amazon and everything, I worked with so many um, people from Mexico. And that's what we did. We traveled to different states and uh, built Amazon, put robotics in. And they, the majority of them come together and we live as a group. We live as a unit. But to watch those guys, they send 90% of their funds and their paycheck back home to their family members. They used to use uh, Western Union and MoneyGram and things like that. So I'm even excited about that corridor open. I didn't think about that until you brought this one to light. So if we can get, when we get to regulations and get all that, that's even a bigger corridor that's going to open up for us because the amount of money that's sent back and forth across the border, even just one way back to Mexico, is absolutely astonishing. Yes, Jordan, I'm sure you got some comments, and I want you to address this one really quick before we kick it to Gonzo. Tom Toe has commented, when fully adopted, how we how will we as retail investors be able to sell and hold our XRP? Nobody can answer this. Jordan, I can't answer that, but I'm sure you can as well. Uh, I can't either. Um, oh, and I, okay. I that, and I say that because 
ultimately we have the information that we have today right and so with that information all of us i call investor scientists right we've all placed our hypothesis our hypothesis is that the tokens we hold will appreciate in value right? that's our hypothesis there's no guarantee we're not gamblers we're not better because we've done our research with the information we have we believe that if we're right x will happen now we're talking about okay so if ripple sell x amount to banks and companies around the world how much is left on the market to be bought and sold how many people will want to sell will there be enough liquidity on the markets to sell um these are probably questions that ripple haven't concerned themselves with too much because at the end of the day um not saying they're not thinking about retail investors but what should put us all at ease here is brad garlinghouse david schwartz the ceo the cto and i'm sure the rest oh and i also know um ripple employees also get paid out in xrp they also get ripple shares pre-ipo so we should all be at ease here knowing that ripple employees get paid xrp so when we come to hey how do we ever exit what if it's all dried up i'm sure there's a way that we'll be able to exit and sell our xrp well, for good reason, they're not focused on retail, and that's because of all the great things they're doing behind the scenes. This is one article that caught our attention over the coming weeks as the Digital Dollar Project is working with Ripple. We also know that the Digital Pound Foundation was working with Ripple, and we're going to break down some news later in this episode talking about how a CBDC could be launched on the XRPL. But Gonzo, I'm sure you got some thoughts on that prior article. So what are you thinking? No, I just I think uh, Billy hit the nail on the head with that, you know. Over the last couple of years, a lot of Mexican immigrants have migrated to Canada to do work and then send money back, right? I'm first generation born here from Latin America. And when my parents were younger, it was kind of the same thing. So once the XRP case gets resolved, um, I, I think that we can kind of forecast what that's going to look like in the U.S. He's right. There is a huge population of not only like Mexicans, uh, immigrants, but Latin American, South American, right, that, that send money back home. They, they come to the U.S., on visas, they work for a certain amount of months and they send most of that money back home. So it's just another use case, right? So I, I think it's going to be huge. But yeah, you know, Ripple is going to continue to build these relationships um, outside of the US until we get some of that resolution. Awesome. And I want to give a shout out to Yabro XRP. He is killing it in the live chat right now, but we got 226 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Here's an update from Ripple as they are proud to announce that they are on Fortune Magazine's best workplaces in america this is pretty cool billy any quick thoughts on this before we dive into our next article uh knowing that you paid out in pre-ripple shares uh, i don't mind going back to work for a little bit i can put my trading hat up for a little while and I'll, I'll go back to work anyone got an application for ripple jordan harry did you apply there are so many jobs available at ripple so many if, if you don't know honestly anyone at home go onto ripple's website they have hundreds of jobs from remote to in the office. So yeah, I'd say if you're watching the show right now, go to the Ripple, go to the career section and go see the long list from engineering to non-tech to marketing. Yeah, they're building, they're growing. And we've got another update here in regards to Ripple. We have a former Ripple advisor, Michael Barr, will be speaking with the Federal Reserve today at 2 p.m., presenting how he can make the financial system not only safer, but more fair for investors. And knowing that he's an advisor for Ripple, I'm sure central bank digital currencies will be brought up in this conversation. Gonzo, what are some of your thoughts about this update at 2 p.m.? We covered an article a couple months ago talking about how Michael Barr is creating regulation for the Federal Reserve. He's going to play a massive role in regulation going forward. Well, he's speaking to the Federal Reserve today, and he's a former Ripple advisor. What's that mean to you? 
Um, I think the, what I focus on is the relationship, right? It's that networking effect that we talk about. It's like Johnny says this all the, all the time, right? Um, about, uh, it, about relationships and, and who you know, right? And so I, I, that's what makes me bullish about it is that he's over here, he's meeting with them and that he has connections to Ripple, right? And it brings in that whole conversation of CBDCs. I know there's an article that we're gonna cover where um, you know XRP, or I'm sorry, Ripple is gonna start working on CBDCs. So it's just more of that building that relationship, right, with the Fed. It's pretty cool. And we know that NFTs are about to come to the XRPL. We've got Flare launching. So DeFi protocol is gonna be off the charts over these next couple months. Jordan, I'd love to get some quick thoughts from you. Michael Barr, speaking to the Federal Reserve, what does that mean to you? I mean, he is a Ripple advisor or former Ripple advisor. It, and I'm going to be quite cynical here, but I think it's good that we don't all agree. Um, I don't think it means too much. You know, to put it bluntly, um, when someone leaves, myself included, I've left Phoenix Community Capital, um, that is now my past and I have to move on and I can't speak upon what the company's doing anymore. Um, and whether Michael Barr... Um, left on good or bad terms, we will never know. Um, but that's in the past for him. And he's probably focusing on not only his present, but his future. So, you know, is Ripple front of his mind? Probably not. Um, but don't get me wrong, if Ripple comes up in a conversation in the room, I'm sure he can add his two cents and give some transparency. But chances are he's probably out the loop as well. I mean, personally, I can only keep up with probably XRP, HBAR, and I'm about to keep up with XLM it's difficult to keep up with everything in this space. So take to be the cynic, but I don't think Michael Barr is going to talk much about Ripple at all. Fair enough, Jordan. I want to get some closing thoughts from Billy. Billy, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that quick update. And then we're going to dive into the Ripple news. Ripple is going to be announcing something in regards to central bank digital currencies. So if you're ready for that, we're about to bring it up. Uh, so I, I kind of think about it a little differently. You know, my, my mind works a little differently, guys. Y'all know me by now. Uh, and I have a little conspiracy switch in my head a little bit, too. So we'll, we'll go off that a little bit. When I look at it, I, I agree that this one thing is not um, anything. But if you I look at it, all the pieces and it's it's crazy how different government officials are now in different places in the crypto world and how different executives were once with Ripple are now in government positions. Does it mean anything? I don't know. Uh, like Jordan says, we won't know until it's all settled and done. Does it raise my spidey senses a little? Absolutely, because I don't believe in coincidence, especially when it comes to government and money. Uh, everything's purposeful. I, I feel like people are put in places for reasons. So, yeah, I don't think there's going to be a lot come of this. But I think in the overall big picture, I think it's a chess, chess match, man. I think people are putting their pieces where they want. And guys, you heard it here first. Billy's spidey senses are tingling on that project. Show us some love. 240 of you. Smash that like button. Let's dive into this Ripple XRP news because this, this could be one for the history books. Ripple Advisor teases about more central bank digital currency announcements in the coming weeks. The blockchain company has been pushing hard for central bank digital currencies since piloting its CBDC private ledger aimed at central banks in March of 2021. Ripple may soon unveil positive developments in regards to its CBDC projects, following hints from a Ripple central bank digital currency advisor of more announcements to come. Crypto influencer and friend of our channel, Crypto Erie, tweeted on Tuesday that Ripple was in the midst of several CBDC pilot programs, including one in Bhutan and the other in Palu. Ripple senior advisor, Welfare, that's his last name, Ripple senior advisor, Welfare, who handles CBDC Europe and global partnerships, responded to the same thread teasing that there could be more CBDC announcements in the coming weeks. This is massive, not only because we have Claire, uh, 
clear information here that Ripple is working on a central bank digital currency, but the fact that their central bank digital currency advisor is stating there could be an announcement, that's something I'd love to focus on. Jordan, there's a bunch of quotes I want to dive into for our listeners here, but just in that first part of the article, what do you think about Crypto Aries findings, and are you anticipating anything major on the CBDC front for the XRP army? You know, we are always going to be 10 steps behind, but hey, we're a thousand steps ahead of the masses. So when it comes to who have they been working with, um, they've been covering their tracks well to a degree. And again, if we recall some of the information that we understand, why they're working with countries like Bhutan, probably none of us have ever heard of Bhutan, let alone even traveled there until we heard about Ripple. And what we have to understand is developing countries, use that term loosely, they can move faster than the rest of the world. Not only that, when you think about business full stop, and I always go back to the Kevin Hart analogy. Kevin Hart, whenever he puts on a film, he shared this, that when he wants to get a big actor on board, he doesn't go straight to Samuel Jackson, if you call him a big actor. What he'll do is he'll get the smaller actors or the people he knows he can get on easier on first. So he'll go to... Um, a Will Smith. Okay, now don't want everyone arguing who's bigger, Samuel Jackson, Will Smith. But he'll go to a Will Smith, who's his best friend. And he'll be like, hey, Will, I'm running this show. I need you to be on board. And Will say, yeah, excellent. Now when he goes to Samuel Jackson, he's like, hey, Samuel, you should join. And who else have you got on board? Hey, Will. So it's they need a proof of concept. And there's no better proof of concept than saying, hey, we've moved real money around with a real country on a smaller scale. But all you've got to do is multiply that for what we want to do with you. It's the same, same, but different. So um, we know they've got a, um, a walled garden. We know there's a number of countries they can't announce that have been testing on a private ledger that now when they turn over, and by the way, there's also a myth. People think there's going to be a separate price for XRP on this private ledger that's being tested on, a public one. David Schwartz tweeted out saying, nope, <laughs> the price of XRP is the same on the private and public. There is no difference that whatever's happening on the private isn't like this special secret price. And when it comes over, the price will explode. It's a case that it's a safe test bed. So when they do come to the public one, we can then see what will happen to the price. Jordan, there's a couple more uh, quotes I want to read from this article. But what catches my attention about this is something you brought up that's so important. Whenever I got into XRP, there was this narrative of a decoupling event taking place. The whole market, the entire crypto market was going to be in a bearish trend. And then XRP would get a catalyst through its, either its on-demand liquidity or a different utility. And we would have this massive catalyst for price growth. Mm. This narrative is playing in perfectly. And we've seen the partnerships. They're working with the Digital Euro Association. They're working with the Digital Pound Foundation. They're working with the Digital Dollar Project. I can go on, but I don't want to bore people. What do you think about a decoupling event? What is the likelihood that that actually takes place with something like a central bank digital currency pilot program already in the works? You know, we would say, I would say, hey, quants decoupled from Bitcoin. You know, I would say that most projects have decoupled from Bitcoin. Don't get me wrong. There's a speculative price with every project. That when Bitcoin moves, it does impact some projects. But like I said, there's a floor price. And I have this belief that the floor price is the lowest it will go off speculation. So if you took all retail traders away, and by the way, this is actual factual. There's some fascinating um, reports for HBAR and XRP. I need to find them where people have done calculations. That if you took away, I mean, look at XRP, you take retail away in the US, what would the price of XRP? You can see what it would be. And so we want to know what the floor price is if you took away retail trading. And so decoupling, has it already happened? Probably not yet. Why? Because we aren't seeing the price of XRP impacted by its use case yet. 
because the on-demand liquidity, as the developers have said, um, it isn't significant enough to move the price, but we will. And so it's inevitable. But then there's other projects doing it as well. Gonzo, I want to kick it to you because there's so much to dive into here. I'm really interested to see where your mind goes on some news like this. Ripple was identified as one of the initial participants of the Technical Sandbox program, which was launched by a United States think tank, the Digital Dollar Project. It was aimed at exploring the potential and technical use cases for a CBDC in the United States. We've got basically the exact same project going on in Ripple in Europe, and they're also working with Ripple. So the ties are all there. And it's like Jordan said, they need proof of concept. They have to roll these concepts out in smaller ecosystems before they can roll them out globally. And we're witnessing that take place. What's on your mind, Gonzo? Yeah, you know, I can't agree more. I love that analogy that Jordan shared with Kevin Hart in the movies because yeah, it's it's the it's it, that's exactly what it is, right? They're going to go to these smaller countries that can that can pivot faster, right? And they're going to implement a CBDC, and then now they can go to these bigger countries and say, "Look, this is what we can do for you. See how it works. See how efficient it is." And they can just use that as the test case, all right? Or the pilot programs, right? That are already implemented, and then they can get these bigger countries to jump on board, right? Um, and as far as like a catalyst. Um, I, I think it's everything that's going on with CBDCs, with the XRP ledger. Uh, but I think the spark that's going to light the fire, just my personal opinion, will be the resolution of the SEC case, right? When we get that resolution, I think that's going to be the beginning of that spark. And then everything else that they've built starts to kind of build that and then move it up as we move into the next bear market, right? We still need to like have that utility that kicks in and that's kind of like the foundation of what they're building right now. We're still kind of like into the speculative phase, but I think once that sec lawsuit ends and whether it's like, we're leaning towards um, them settling, right. And getting everything they want through the settlement or they're not going to settle or them just winning it outright. Um, I, I think that's the kind of beginning of it as we move into the next couple of years. Awesome. And I have a great video prepared. It's a video released from Ripple just last month stating how they were going to plan to build central bank digital currency solutions. We're also going to be diving to Quant CEO Gilbert Verdinand's resume later in this episode, showing you that he not only worked with the Federal Reserve, but he worked with PWC and he worked with HB, HBC as well. HSBC. Sorry about that. HSBC as well. We're going to let this short clip play and get some comments from the group. Here we go. Chain technology. More specifically, we help governments build and launch central bank digital currencies or CBDCs. They are national currencies powered by modern technology that is secure, centralized, and scalable. And these CBDCs will enable central banks to implement their monetary policies in more efficient and effective ways. The Ripple team brings a wealth of expertise to every new CBDC solution. Working with hundreds of financial institutions, policymakers, and regulators, our solutions facilitate billions of dollars in cross-border payments. I want to pause it there because it's so important for our listeners to understand this stuff is yet to be implemented, even on the smallest of scales. And there is going to be a day where every single one of our listeners, this is going to be the technology running behind the scenes. When you transfer money, whether it's cross-border or between banks, there's going to be some form of blockchain liquidity in between your currencies. And this could be a great example of that. Gonzo, why don't you just start it off and then we'll kick it to Billy. Yeah. You know, I mean, we keep, I can't, we keep reiterating the same thing, right? Like they're building these, 
these networks, they're building these relationships, right? They're building these CBDCs that are going to start like in certain countries and then connect to other countries. And it's just building the use case, right? And that's just one use case, right? Is the CBDCs, which is big. But like what I get excited about is all the other use cases that will come after, right? The XRP ledger with NFTs, the tokenization of assets, that's going to be huge. When you put that all together, that huge ecosystem, it just makes me bullish on, you know, XRP. But like, people that are credit investors, right? When, if you can invest in Ripple, this is a bullish case to invest in the company Ripple, right? Because XRP is different than the company Ripple. And it sucks that you have to be an accredited investor and hopefully like those laws start to change. But if you can get into Ripple, this is the bullish case on when you, why you want to invest in Ripple pre-IPO because of everything that they're building. Because that's what's affected. That's what affects Ripple price. All these relationships, RippleNet and everything that they're doing. Thank you so much, Gonzo. And I'm going to kick it to Billy for some closing comments. Any of our listeners who are wondering why we talk about quant every day on our channel, we're about to break it down for you. But Billy, what are some of your thoughts on this Ripple News? Uh, this is what you want to hear. So <clears throat> one of the biggest issues that companies have is scalability. Uh, they tend to take on too much before they're ready. So I actually love this, this part of XRP and Ripple. Um, it's kind of, I know the SEC sucks and everything, but it's kind of giving them a, a slowdown to where you can work on the little problems, the little issues that you're going to have. Because if you can get rid of the little problems, like you said, if you're moving $100 back and forth, it's easier to work on those problems. And if you're moving a trillion dollars back and forth and you're affecting a whole country rather than just a little community. And we don't want to see anybody affected, but in the grand scheme of things, this is exactly what you want to see from a company and a team is that they're not stopping because one area said they couldn't they're they're continuing to develop they're honing their their software and what they're doing and that way when it comes time to flip that switch and you know xrp as the chosen one there's not going to be are we going to have issues of course but 90 percent of them will be worked out it's just makes more sense to scale your company from that little bit and then grow that way you can get rid of all the issues beforehand before you introduce it to the and I think that's exactly what we're witnessing right now. And thank you for Jordan for highlighting that same thing. We are about to dive into some quant news because this, this is humongous. We're looking at the resume of the quant network CEO, Gilbert Verdinand, who helped found the quant foundation back in 2015. Well, one of the things that sticks out to me about this resume is not only do I see MasterCard, I see PWC, the Ministry of Justice, HSBC, and many more prominent names. But as we continue to scroll down here, we see the European Commission of Zerbery, but look at the name below that, the United States Federal Reserve System. Gilbert Verdinand was actually partnered with the Federal Reserve to issue a new and safer, more secure payments. This happened in March of 2017, actually after he founded the Quant Foundation. Jordan Harry, really quickly, what do these co connections mean to you? We're looking at the largest financial institution to ever exist in the history of humanity, and Quant is connected. What does that mean to you? It means I need more money because I don't hold any Quant. And I've been listening to it for the long... Billy, shut up, man. Don't give me that reaction. <laughs> you on mute, but I heard you. Oh, come through the mic. Yeah, I know I don't hold Quant. And I do want to hold it. I want to hold Cardano. I hold diff 20 different assets, but it's so hard. I need more money. If HBarnex help you take off, you, I'm saying it on the record, I'll go take straight into Quant. I'll go take straight into Cardano. Just wait for me, Okay. <laughs> Yes, I mean, Jordan, look at this list. You're not alone. Love just it. just two Thank years ago, almost nobody held this project. Now we're sitting at over 71,000 wallets. So Jordan, it's only a matter of time. And I, I think it's better late than never, but never late is better, my friend.
Dude, I think we all need more money, right? Like, I, I wish we all had more money. But like, hey, to make you feel better, Jordan, like if we look like where Bitcoin went, when it went to 17.5, quant got down to like 40 something bucks. So if Bitcoin decides to take a dump and continue to go lower, we can see already yet with yesterday's correction, I think quant gone down to 80 something dollars, right? So we, we, I think we're going to get a better because we're in the same boat. I, I don't. I don't have a lot of quant. I don't think Mario, I think he started a DCA into quant. Billy's our quant guy. So I, I'm waiting for that lower low to, to, to get a better position in. But I think there's still time to get in. I think you're good. Hopefully, Billy, right? Fingers crossed. Right. Billy, quant's sitting at $88 today. And we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, it was 125 bucks. And everybody on our channel was saying, please dip below 100. I want a dollar cost average. Will you have your opportunity? What do you think resale investors should keep in mind so they're not scared away during these price dips? Uh, this You got to think of it long term, DCAN. You know, if you can't go get a whole quant, you can, if you got 10 bucks a week, you can spend, put 10 bucks a week in it. That price action is going to come back in. Don't try not to bite off the whole elephant. Go chew on a toe for a minute, pull on his tail. Just get a few little dollars in because it's going to go up. Remember, we're looking long term. We're not day traders in, in the crypto world. We're not looking at a week. We're looking at a, at a long term. So this is bloodbath. Are you serious? This is this is the time you want to you want to buy. And I tell everyone, don't blow your whole nugget in one buy. If you got a thousand dollars, buy fifty dollars here, buy fifty dollars there. That way you are getting the best price action that you can. But I will say and I've said it before, I've said it for months. Anytime quant is under $100, I'm buying. It's it's an automatic buy for me. There's so much exciting opportunities, but I think quant could be one of the best opportunities in the space today. Gonzo, the people are calling for you, so I got to go back to you before we kick it to Jordan. <laughs> We've talked about how quant is one of the most prominent projects, but what's on your mind when you look at this thing? We're still in the early days of blockchain. We are in the early days of the internet. When you talk about overledger technology, that's one of the furthest phases away. I think we'll see full implementation at the end of this decade. So how do you keep how do you tell people to remain optimistic even though we could be waiting a long time for use cases? You know, the way I look at it is like that long-term time horizon, but I, I look at, there's two things that I look at, right? I, I look at Chainlink, right? Chainlink is an Oracle. I look at it. That's going to connect blockchains with data, right? And with quant, it's going to connect blockchains, whichever they are with the financial system, right? And so that's the way I look at it. When you look at it that way, that's the future, I think, of where we're going, of interoperability between blockchains, right? And so that just makes me bullish on quant. I'm willing to be patient. My time horizon is already like five to 10 years, right? So, you know, Billy's a good reminder that like, it reminds you like when I was saying, okay, anytime Ethereum was below a thousand, I was, I was buying big chunks of it, right? So quant under a hundred bucks, why not, right? But the way I look at quant is it's going to connect other blockchains in the financial payment systems and that's how it'll work. And that's going to be huge in the future. Awesome, guys. And we're closing in on the last five minutes of our episode here. So if you're enjoying this content, show us some love. Smash that like button. Jordan Harry, we are coming straight to you after this video because our good friend Mark Yusko breaks down exactly what's taking place in the market today and how from now until 2027 could create some of the wealthiest investors to ever exist. So let's let this short clip play and get some comments from the group. Here we go. And he always gets credit. So first, they ignore you. So from 2009 to 2015, First, they ignore you, right? Bunch of nerds and geeks and magic internet money and no one cares. Then they laugh at you. So it's 2016 to 21. Ah, ha, 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 bunch of nerds and geeks and their magic internet money. Who cares? Then they fight you. So right now, 2022 to 2027, they're going to fight us. The regulators are going to fight us. 
the incumbents are going to fight us, the banks. Look, all the banks were paying zero interest. You put your money in the bank. It's your, it was your money, now it's the bank's money, and they pay you zero. So some of us took it out, converted into crypto, and deposited a place like BlockFi or Celsius or other places, and got paid 68%. And when it was $1 billion, like whatever, a bunch of nerds and geeks, $20 billion, whoa, 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 that's real money. $100 billion, whoa, whoa, okay, time out. Now we got to stop it. Now we got to get the New Jersey regulators to come after these guys. Now we got to get the SEC to come after these guys. Boom. You heard it right there. This market is only growing and regulators are only getting a stronger grip on this market. Jordan Harry, you can see why we love Yusko. That guy is freaking brilliant. He's got a second gear that most people just don't have, but we got 270 live listeners. If you've enjoyed this deep dive in this episode, show us some love, smash that like button. If you like HBAR, Quant, XRP, the list goes on and on. Sorry, I talk a lot, Jordan, but the floor is yours, my friend. <laughs> You're killing it. And um, when I hear things like that, especially from people like Mark, it makes me um, sad. I think that's the best word I can put it because people are going to think, oh, it's all woo-woo, but I know I'm speaking to our people right now, which is when it's all said and done, it reminds me of the big short. When it all takes off, um, it wasn't Mike Burry, it was the other one who's played by the office actor. What's his name? I keep forgetting his name. I don't know it either, sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> can you remind me, what was the listener you were referring to? Describe him again. Yeah. The big short, you had Michael Burry and you had the other protagonist um, on the US office version. If anyone in the comments know his name, whether his acting name or his real name. Anyway, at the end of it, he said he didn't brag. He stayed humble. He made his millions. Why? Because we were shouting. We still are shouting to the rest of the world to get in. And when it happens, I feel bad because I don't know another way for people to make life-changing money in my lifetime and what saddens me is i think even now i look around and i'll finish on this because maybe we we're talking about this when you have a certain amount of numbers because that's all money is when you have a certain amount of numbers it allows you the freedom to think and that's a dangerous human being when you are able to think and most people are like what are you on about John? i'm thinking right now most people who are working do not have time to sit there. I mean, I don't know about many of you who just sit there and allow boredom to creep in. Most people would rather have an electric shock, a study found, than be actually bored for five minutes. But most people don't actually get to sit with their thoughts for a couple of moments and ask themselves this question, am I happy with my life right now? Most people don't even have the time to then even explore how they can change their life. Why? Because they get home, once they get home, they eat their meal, they sit down with their loved one, they have a shower, they put the kids to bed, and they've probably got an hour or two before they've got to go back to bed. And we can't be mad at people for not watching the show. We can't be mad at people for not investing in quant. Whether they don't have the money, the time, or the freedom to think, when it's all said and done, they didn't have the opportunity to do this right now. So it saddens me because we're on a crusade right now. All of us, none of us are getting paid to do this. All of us are doing this because we have a passion for educating because we know when it's all said and done. I'm going to be able to fly and go see Billy and hang out with him and we can do the show live, right? But there's going to be people who will be watching this show being like, ah, I didn't understand it, so therefore I feared it. And because you fear it, you don't dare entertain what it could do for your life. So um, when I hear Mark talk like that, it makes me sad because it reminds me that there is an end game at play here and uh, only a small percentage of us are going to have the ability to think when it's all said and done.
Thank you so much, Jordan. And really quickly, it just reminds us of our conversation we had before stream. We're all on this journey to try to become the best version of ourselves, right? And I think the best version of ourselves is the one that has the freedom to do what you'd like. And if you have the correct amount of discipline, that's how you become the best version of yourself. And every single one of our live listeners, you have an extremely u- unique opportunity. Just 100 years ago, if you were born a peasant, there was a night, there was a chance that you were going to die a peasant. We live in a day and age today where people like us have this unique opportunity to become some of the wealthiest people on the planet. And this is going to come and go. Our kids, our grandkids, they're going to be asking us about 2020. They're going to be asking us about C-19. So this is really a unique time in history. People have always said that, but when you take into account what's happening today, this shift, it happened once, and that was 500 years ago when we shifted from gold into fiat. But that's a great place to close it off. I want to say thank you to Jordan Harry. Thank you to Billy, and thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to every single one of our special guests. Typically, Johnny or Mario would play the live music. I don't know how to cue up the live music today, guys. So we're just going to have to close this thing out the same way we always do, by saying, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us today. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Love you guys. Boom.